Well, good morning. It is good to see you all this morning. I, uh, I got home last night from Camp Cedar Crest. Uh, our, our youth are up at Camp Cedar Crest for uh, winter camp, and we had an amazing weekend. I got home around midnight last night, so I'm running on caffeine this morning. Um, I've been going to Camp Cedar Crest up in Running Springs for almost 22, 23 years now, and I've never seen that much snow at camp. It was incredible. My wife and I uh, get to partner with our district and help run activities for the camps. And, uh, and, and we, uh, we had all of these games planned. And literally everything we planned didn't work because there was no space. Because they didn't have anywhere to put the snow. And so, but the nice thing about camp, uh, when there's snow, is the activity becomes go play in the snow. Um, and so uh, kids who'd never seen the snow before got their fill this weekend. Uh, be praying for our kids as they're coming back down the mountain. They should actually be, uh, be here, be back here at church right when we're getting done this afternoon. And uh, we're ex- excited to hear the testimonies. Hey, Luke, I feel like I'm a little bassy. Can we uh, make the adjustment there? Thank you. I'm not just talking to myself today. Um, yeah. So, we are kicking off a new series. Oh, hang on a second. I, I need to do something first. Um, I made a, a commitment to our men at Men's Retreat last year uh, in October. That was something that we were going to do in this new year. And I asked the guys to hold me accountable, and none of you have. Um, and, and we're already at the end of January. You guys remember what it was? What was it? To pray for other churches. Made a commitment that this year, that every Sunday, we were going to take time in our service to pray for the other churches here in Glendora and the surrounding area. Because it's important for us to remember that we're not the church, we're a part of a a church body that's represented both here locally and globally, that we are a family. And and, and what I want to do is I want to honor and bless the other churches and leaders in our community especially, Uh, but it's a reminder to us that we don't have a corner on the market or we're not doing it better or worse than anyone else, that we're a part of something bigger than us. And I believe it blesses God's heart when his children move away from being competitive. You know, the pastors are some of the most competitive, insecure people I, I know. Just to, be, just to be honest, we get together and we're like, well, how's your church? <laughs> right? That's not who we are. So this morning, we're going to pray for Grace Church uh, of Glendora. They're down on Glendora Avenue. Pastor John Dix is the pastor there. And here's what I know. God is moving in mighty ways. In fact, if you check out their website, um, this never happens. Pastors never tell their congregations to go check out another church's website. But if you go check out their website, one of the things they have there is they, they share video testimonies of what God's doing in the lives of their people. Go check it out. It's pretty awesome. God's moving. I've met John. He's a good man. Uh, they have a great team there. And uh, I've got to connect with some of their, their congregants. Uh, our, son, uh, our son plays flag football, and one of the kids that plays on that team, uh, you know, they go to that church. And I got to hang out. In fact, we sat at a, a team dinner 
Um, and and uh, this gentleman and I sat for about three hours and talked about the things of the kingdom and was just so blessed and encouraged. He's one of the men's leaders there. But could we pray for Grace Church this morning, Pastor John Bix? So Grace Church is about kind of right about there. So if you would kind of turn in your chair, just extend your hand, and let's bless that congregation this morning. Father God, thank you for the body of Christ. Thank you, Lord, that we are a part of a community of faith that reaches to the ends of the earth, Lord, that that every tribe and tongue, Lord, and, 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 and Lord, our goal is to see every tribe and tongue, Lord, have a body of believers who come together and worship you. This morning, we pray for Grace Church, Lord, for Grace Glendora. We pray, Lord, abundant blessing upon that church. We pray that truth would be spoken and lives would be transformed, Father God. And Lord, I pray for a church that people could say, well, it's a big church. They're, they're, they're good. They're doing well. God, I pray that this would just be the start. Lord, I pray that their best years would be ahead of them, Father God. I pray that you just pour out so much blessing on that church that they would not be able to contain it, Father God. I pray that there would be an increase of, of, of staff members, Lord, that they would have to hire new people just to keep up, Lord, with the growth that they experience in that church, Lord. We pray that your spirit fall on that place. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So now, guys... And the rest of the church, if I miss a Sunday, I mean, interrupt me. I, I, this is how serious I am about this. Say, hey, you didn't, you didn't do that today. Um, one of the things that we will do, I was reminded of this this morning before service, because what we actually want to do is have a picture of the church and the pastor up on the screen, um, and so you can start making those connect. And then we're going to write a note to those, that church each week once we prayed for them and let them know, hey, we, we prayed for you this week. Sound good? All right, good. Would you open your Bibles this morning to the book of Ephesians and the book of Matthew? Ephesians and Matthew. We are starting a new series today, and I have been looking forward to this actually for a few months. Um, every year, what I like to do, and we did this last year, is I like to pray over our church and, and just hear from the Lord the direction that he's leading us for the year. And what I really ask for is this, Lord, give us a word for the year. Give us a, a, a passage of scripture and a, and a word, a theme for the year that we can center on and focus on and, and kind of calibrate our hearts as we've been, even been talking about over these last few weeks. And so it was, it was a few months ago as I was praying about this year, the Lord gave me two words, the words rooted and established rooted and established and today today we're starting a new series called rooted and established but it's it's not just a, a series it's actually going to be our theme for the year now the words rooted and established of course we find in scripture and so i wasn't surprised when they came to my mind especially in light of the fact that it really ties into the overall theme that god has us on as a church a thrive church as we've uh, talked about our vision and, and our new name as of uh, July of last year, our new name, Thrive, and talking about this, this idea of cultivating our lives in Christ. As I was praying, I, I realized that I was in a unique season as a pastor at our church, um, and, and then as such, we're in a unique season as a church. I want to share a little bit of my heart personally about um, what I'm feeling and, uh, and, and it's only important in this is that it, I, I feel like as the pastor of Thrive Church, it helps, it helps kind of establish a long view of, of where we're going this year. 
I, uh, as many of you know, Megan and I came to Glendora Foursquare Church just over two years ago. In fact, January 11th was our two-year anniversary, which some of us, I'm just going, I can't believe it's been two years, right? Um, and we were nervous. Uh, we were nervous to come. We didn't know any of you. We know, knew a couple of people, but, uh, but coming into a new church, I mean, coming to a new church, period, is, is a little nerve-wracking, right? Can we be honest? Uh, st- studies show that, that going to a new church is one of the, the top 10 most stressful things you can do in your life. It's, it, it, you're walking into a room of people who all know each other and you don't know them, right? And then there's all of like the, the inside jokes and the, right? And you're like, I don't, I don't get that, right? I, I don't know what you're talking about, you know? And, and so it can be stressful. Well, try being a new pastor of a church that you don't know anyone. And so we were a little nervous. We didn't know, really know people. And so that first year... 2015, we thought, okay, Lord, we, we're just, we're just going to get to know people. We're just going to get to know the church. I, I'm not in a place where I can't cast vision and say, this is the direction we're going, because I have no relationship with any of these people. And so we committed that first year to say, Lord, we're just going to build relationship. And we started getting to know people and got to know many of you. And um, we saw a transition as people were moving out of state and moving out of town. And we had some people move and go start going to other churches, and that's just the norm for uh, churches in transition. And, and so 2015 was a, a good year. It was a hard year. It was a lot of change, but, but the Lord brought us through. And, and then 2016, again, still getting to know each other, a little bit more vision, but definitely in a place where we're like, we can't cast long-term vision yet because we're still in this kind of getting to know you phase. So cast a little bit of vision for 2016, and, and, and you know, the Lord gave us the word, uh, you know, shout for God has given you the city, and we saw things, doors open to us in the city of Glendora that were absolutely amazing, uh, up, up to and including the city uh, calling us, saying, hey, we're having some events, and we need help. Can you come help us? And, and we thought, this is great, this is, and we want to keep that going. But I realized... Coming to the end of 2016, having had the Lord rename our church and, and give us a new vision and mission statement and establishing core values for our church, that 2017 is very different to 2015 and 2016, at least in my heart. Because now as a pastor, I kind of know what I'm working with. I have relationships with people and I've identified leaders and and, and we have a new name, and we have vision, and, and now we can stand and say, okay, Lord, where are you taking us this year? And I am beyond excited for what God is going to do this year. And so this theme, Rooted and Established, really dovetails with this. See, because we're out of a transition season, and now we're into a growth season for our church. Would you, get, would you agree with that this morning? If you, say, if you agree, say amen. amen. All right, thank you. Um, God wants to establish something in this church. He wants to, to, to push these roots nice and deep. And he wants to establish this church. And when I say this church, I'm not talking about the organization or the systems or the structure or the leadership teams. That's not what I'm talking about because the church isn't those things. The church is what? People. You are the church. And so 
rooted and established is, is not about those things, about systems and structures. We want to be better and we want to get better at doing those things so that we can serve more people, disciple more people, reach more people. But rooted and established is about you. It's about what God wants to do in your life, what he wants to do in your home, in your marriage, in your family, in your children, in your education, in your work, that he wants to see you rooted and established. The vision of our church is this, helping people thrive in Christ. Helping people thrive in Christ. And of course, John 10.10 10 is, is our key verse for our church says this, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Overflowing abundantly. That's what God has for us. That we would thrive in Christ. So with that in mind, let's take a look at rooted and established. And let's open our hearts to what God would speak to us. He's been speaking to me. This is something that's been in my heart for a while now. I'm excited to share it with you, but would you open your heart to receive? And we're actually going to talk about that a little bit more this morning. Let's pray. Father God, this morning I ask, Lord, that distractions would be removed. God, that our eyes would be focused on you that our minds would be stayed on you. And Lord, even as we're going to read about this morning, Lord, that you would soften the soil of our hearts to receive every seed that you would want to deposit today. In Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 through 19. And we'll talk about this passage quite a bit this year. This is Paul writing to the church in Ephesus and... Um, Driving down the mountain last night, I had my, my phone plugged into my car, and I was listening to the book of Ephesians, and so I just listened to it a few times all the way through. It's not a long book. It's only six chapters. Um, but, but if there were one word that I would sum up uh, that would describe what, what, how Paul is feeling when he's writing this letter, it would be the word excited. At points, he's just, he's just giddy. He's just like, ah, I've got to tell you this. So, so his tone here is, is one of, I can barely contain this, all right? So, so get that in your mind as we read this together. He writes, for this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. And I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being." so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Insert there, thriving. Amen? Paul's excited. He is so excited. He's saying, listen, listen, church. This is what you have. 
in God through Christ. Let, let me explain it to you. Let me unpack it for you. Let me tell you in, in a few different ways. I just need you to grasp and understand everything you have in Christ. You ever try to describe something to someone, maybe an experience you had or a place you visited or maybe you went to a sporting event or you played in a sporting event and, and it was just awesome. And, and you're trying to put into words what you experienced and, and words just fail. You ever, you ever been in that place, right? And you're just going, it, it was just like, like, just picture it. Like, just close your eyes and imagine it was, it was like this. It was, it was like that, and, Right? My wife and I got to go on a cruise, as many of you know, a couple of weeks ago to celebrate our 20th anniversary. And, uh, and, and when I go on a trip, I love to research. I love to kind of check out, you know, where we're going to be staying. And, of course, you're on a, on a ship, so there's, you know, not, not a lot of place for you to go. But, but I wanted to know what the restaurant offerings were, right? Because you hear that there's good food on a cruise ship, um, and it, which is true. But I'm like, I don't want to just kind of, like, sidle up to the buffet every day. I want to find the best food on the cruise ship. Well, I'm a, I'm a meat guy. I like a good steak. And so we discovered there was a place on the ship called the Crown Grill. And uh, it was one of those extra, extra charge kind of places because you get your, your cruise package, but then there's restaurants where for a little bit more. Um, and so we had some cruise credit that they'd given us and we're like, we're going there. So you sit down in this restaurant, and it is just beautiful and lavish and tablecloths, and everyone's just, you know, just every need, they're just right there. What do you need? What can we get? You know, the, the maitre d' is just over-the-top helpful. And, uh, and so we sat down. It was our anniversary dinner, so we got dressed up. I was wearing a tie, and, and uh, you know, and then the waiter comes, and he goes, well, what can I get you tonight? And he's like, anything on the menu, and if you want one of each, you can do that. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, this is incredible. So I order a porterhouse steak. Yeah, there are no words. <laughs> there are no words. See, because I got to taste the steak. Yeah, I can just tell you about it, but there are no, no words. He, he comes and he, he, his name, uh, our waiter's name was Huli, spelled July, but he was from Bulgaria, and, and uh, he was just really funny. He has a real dry sense of humor, and, um, and he sets the steak in front of me, and he turns the plate, and he says, okay, here's how you have to eat this steak. I've never gotten that at Applebee's before. <laughs> he goes, what you want to do is you want to start here. You want to eat this portion first, and then you want to go over towards the strip, the New York strip, and then you're going to turn it, and then you're going to finish with the sirloin over on this side, right? Oh, the best dining experience of my life. Because there was a side plate of lobster tails and, and, and there were lamb chops and see, just no words. <laughs> Paul's saying to the church in Ephesus, God, God set something in front of you and, and I've tasted it, and it's awesome. And guys, if you would just sit down and allow God to serve you and bring before you the fullness of what he has, you will get to taste what I have tasted, and it is awesome. It's amazing. So let's look at what Paul says here. 
And, I, and, I, and it's so hard. I can't preach on the whole book of Ephesians. I have to just pick this passage. But, you know, he even starts out saying, for this reason, which means he just said a whole lot of things that we need to go back and, and read. So take time this week and read the book of Ephesians. Listen to it and, and hear Paul's heart in this. He says, for this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth de derives its name. What is he saying? We're all the same. We all have the same daddy. And it doesn't matter where you're from, where you were born, what your family name is, what the color of your skin is, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, male or female, slave or free, it doesn't matter. You all have the same daddy. You all derive your name from the same place. I pray that out of his glorious riches, out of your Papa, your Abba Father, your Daddy's glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Holy Spirit, where? In your inner being. In your inner being. Wow. Who wants to be strengthened with God's power? A few of you, most of you. I, I'd be like double portion right here. Lord, give me your strength by your spirit in my inner being. See, your inner being is hidden. It's not seen. I can't see your inner being. But God sees and he says, I want to strengthen you there first. That my spirit would strengthen you internally. Why? Because the Bible says that it's the wellspring of our life, our heart. Right? Life flows from our inner being. So if your inner being is not strengthened and it's weak and not doing well, your life is not going to be strengthened, not going to be doing well. He goes on to say that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. So your inner being is strengthened by power through the Holy Spirit. Why? So that you can receive Jesus and that he would dwell in your heart by faith. You know that the Holy Spirit is so key and so critical, and we skip over this a lot when we give an invitation for people to receive Jesus as their Savior. What we don't realize, it's the Holy Spirit who's doing that work in our hearts, who gives us the ability to even say, yes, Lord, I receive you. It means that the Holy Spirit's already been doing a work so that we can receive him. And, and here's the thing that Paul's saying is that Jesus is available to everybody, every single person, that Jesus is fully available, that he would dwell deep inside our hearts. With that in mind, he then says this, that you being rooted and established in love, now that those things are happening, that you recognize that God is your Father, that Jesus is your Savior, and because of the work of the Holy Spirit, that there is a deep possession that takes place in our lives as Christ dwells in our hearts. When these things have happened, that you would be rooted and established in love. Rooted. Why rooted? Well, we're all aware that a plant, for a plant to grow, it needs to have roots. It's how a plant eats, right? How it, it, it pulls moisture, water, and, 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 and nutrients from the soil. And that, that the deeper those roots go, the stronger and the more that that plant will flourish, the better it will do, right? Right? Okay. 
We got that. I don't need to do the science lesson. <laughs> Roots go deep. They are below the surface. They are in your inner being. It brings stability. Roots are critical. The below the surface aspect of this is so important for us to realize because we live in such a surface, above the surface world. Even as we talked about back in emotionally healthy spirituality, that there's more going on below the surface, but we like to present the above the surface stuff. As, as evidence this morning when Robert and Stacy shared very openly about what's going on in their lives, that's below the surface, right? And we like to keep that stuff kind of hidden because, well, I'm just going to deal with this on my own and and, and, and I, you know, I don't want to bother people or I don't want to be embarrassed or it's all inner stuff. It's below the surface stuff. But the problem is, is if our roots aren't going deep, what's above the surface will always be affected. Always. So we need to be rooted and then established because once the, the root structure is in place, the tree trunk, in the case of a tree, the tree trunk can now start expanding and can start supporting the weight of the branches and the foliage and then ultimately the fruit. You ever seen, you know, driving around Glendora every now and again, you see an orange tree that's full of oranges, right? And you just see the weight of that fruit on those branches. If the root structure is not there, the tree cannot be established and it cannot go on to bear fruit. Tree, tree that is established or plant that is established is not easily moved but here's the thing we're rooted and established in love what love the love of God the love that God has for you is expressed through his son Jesus Christ and as he continues to minister that love by the Holy Spirit that's where we are rooted and established see I can't in my life just go hey I just need to be rooted and established work harder at being rooted and established right? It doesn't work that way. That I have to surrender my life and allow him to do the rooting and establishing in my life. And what's the result that Paul talks about is this, power. That you would have power to grasp and understand how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. See, once those things have taken place, I understand that God is my Father and Jesus is my Savior and the Holy Spirit does this pre preparing work in my inner being and I, I receive from Him and I'm rooted and established. I now have power to grasp His love. And that every day I get a bigger glimpse, a greater glimpse of what His love is in my life and what He wants to do in and through me. And that I would receive the full measure, the measure of all the fullness of God. I'll be honest with you this morning. I can't wrap my head around that. And neither can you. Because you don't know what God intends for you fully. But I'm committed to finding out. And he has more. He has more. Somebody's calling me and it's showing up on my iPhone, on my iPad. Yeah. Not right now, I'm busy. <laughs> Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Let's turn there. Here's what Jesus says about this. 
We're going to take the next few weeks and unpack some thoughts. Today is going to be very much a, hey, let's set our perspective. And then over the next few weeks, I want to take some time to talk about some practical ways that we see God's word, his seed, really find place in our hearts. I want to talk to you about soil today. Let's read out of Matthew 13, verse, we're going to start in verse 1 through 9. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it. And while all the people stood on the shore, then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed, and as he was scattering seed, some fell along the path. And the birds came and ate, because, uh, ate it up. And some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil, sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. And still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let him hear. We're going to stop right there. We're going to pick it up again in a few minutes in verse 18. When we first moved to Glendora, we found this little house to rent. And uh, Pastor Tom actually told us about the house. And turns out the house was right next door to their house, uh, which has been awesome being their neighbors. And um, some of you have been to our house. You've seen our house is kind of small, but we have a really big backyard. And, uh, and when we first saw the house, it had this lush green grass. It was, and I'm a, I'm a sucker for a green lawn. I love green grass. Beautiful, new, sod backyard. It was gorgeous. And we're like, yeah, this is the house. And so we moved in and then found out that the landlord, because no one had been living there, was watering the grass every day a couple of times a day, which, of course, we live in California, which wasn't a drought, isn't a drought. It depends on who you talk to. Um... But, of course, watering restrictions were in place, and the landlord said, well, just keep watering the grass. And I love, she's a, a sweet, sweet lady, and she said, I can't do it. I have to just do twice a week because that's what, you know, the regulations are. And she goes, it's okay, just water at night. No, that, it's, not how, it's not how it works. Uh, <laughs> they'll know. Plus, we have six people living in the house. So, so we started abiding by the watering restrictions. Well couple weeks in, I started noticing some brown patches. And then about a month and a half later, those brown patches turned to big dead patches, and then they turned into big earthy patches. <laughs> and uh, years ago, even before the previous tenant had lived there, and he'd lived there for about 10 years, someone at some point had had one of those doughboy pools in the backyard, and had left a big ring on, on the ground, and, and the grass died. You could see exactly where the pool had been over a decade ago because the grass didn't grow. It died right in perfect circles. Um, and then weeds started coming up, and, and my beautiful grass turned into this big dirt lot. And uh, I thought, oh, where'd the grass go? You know, I knew it was going to get brown, but it died really quickly, and I thought, this isn't normal. This isn't all, even with the watering restrictions, this shouldn't have happened. And so uh, a few months ago, we set about the task of reviving our backyard because we love being in the backyard. And so uh, we rented a tiller 
and I had the workout of my life. Um, and we started dinging up the backyard because here's what I figured. The landscapers had come in before and they had just raked the yard smooth and laid down sod. But they'd done, not done soil prep preparation. And so there were rocky places and there were some parts of the yard that had a lot of weeds. And then there was this part where the pool had been where the soil was so compacted down because that weight of that water years ago and had never been dug up. And I thought, we gotta, we got to tend to the soil. And so we rented this tiller, and my boys and I, we got out there, and we turned that entire yard upside down, went down about a foot, and completely turned that soil upside down. We, we pulled out all the big rocks, and there were a lot of big rocks. And we sifted it, and we cleaned it, and we got rid of all the junk, and there was garbage in there. There was all kinds of stuff, and we got rid of it. And, and raked it all flat, we fertilized it, and we got seed, and we threw that seed down. And a few months later now, especially with all this rain, it's been perfectly timed. Our yard is green again. Now there's a lot. You know when they say in the bags, the bag of seed, 99% weed-free? <laughs> right? And how do you prove it? Go back. Hey, you guys just said, oh, no, that blew in over the fence. So I'm like, from, from, from Tom's house. No. <laughs> But by this summer, we're going to have a nice green yard again, and we'll get to have some fun activities back there. See, Jesus understood how seed works. And because they lived in an agrarian culture where all around these communities, every town had wheat fields all around it. Jerusalem was surrounded with orchards and wheat fields. Everyone understood, not like us where, right, Wheat is grown in like Oklahoma, and then they put it on a truck or a train, and then it ends up in our grocery store. They actually got to see where their food was coming from. And so they understood that if the farmer was, was planting, he would go out and he would throw out the seed. And, 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 and if the soil, if the condition of the soil was not right, people would starve. There would be no thriving. And so we have to understand, as Jesus says here, that the condition of the soil of our lives, of our hearts, is critical to us thriving. He goes on to say in verse 18, listen to what the parable of the sower means. And I'm so thankful that Jesus explained, right? When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away that was sown in, in their heart. This is the seed along the path. I'm going to stop right there. The seed along the path falls on a place that's hard, and so there's no way for the seed to actually get down into the soil. And it never even has a chance to germinate and grow into something. It never actually has a chance to, to do what it was designed to do because and I saw this in my backyard as the birds came and just started having a big old feast. I'm like, get away from my seed, right? But they were only getting at the seed that they could reach because it had fallen in parts of the yard that were hard and sat on top. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word of, and at once receives it with joy, but since they have no root, lasts only a short time when trouble and persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So there's a layer of topsoil, and that was what most of my yard was. There was a layer of topsoil 
But right below that, there were rocks under the ground that prevented those roots from going deep. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. The seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 and 30 times what were sown. Let me ask you a question. How many seeds does the farmer sow? Thousands, right? A farmer, let's use the illustration of a wheat farmer. I realize there's all kinds of different farming. So a wheat farmer does not go out into the field and sow one seed, right? Would not be a wheat farmer for very long. Thousands and thousands of seeds that get thrown out there, that get sown into that soil. And the principle is true, right? You reap what you sow. And we use it so often in a neg negative connotation. Oh, man, you reap what you sow. No, it's, it's the good, too. And so the farmer who wants to reap a large harvest invests in a lot of seed. And he goes out and he sows thousands and thousands of seed. How often does he sow seed? What's that? Seasonally. Every planting season. Not once. Again, you would not be a good farmer. You wouldn't be a farmer for very long if you planted once and said, all right, I'm good. Right? Because then that seed grows. It becomes and it produces the, the head of wheat and then they go out and they harvest it and then they prepare the soil again they wait till the next planting season they go out and they do it all over again and over again and every season they're planting more seed see receiving seed is not a one time event and when we read this passage that Jesus shares the story uh, that th th Jesus gives us about the seed, I think so many Christians look at it and go, oh, that's talking about when you get saved. It, it just happened. Yeah, I, I, got, I, I, I met Jesus back then, and I'm good, right? And so we just kind of gloss over that passage. At least that's the way I dealt with it very often. See, it's not just at salvation. It's an ongoing process in every one of our lives that daily God wants to sow his seed into your life. And not just a seed, seed upon seed upon seed. Thousands of seeds that he wants to deposit in your life daily. But we have to make sure that the soil of our lives is ready to receive what he has for us. So we have to read and ask ourselves this question, which soil am I? And the answer is this, and I'll answer for you. All of them at times. All of them. Because I tell you what, that Christian pride comes in. You know what I'm talking about, right? Oh, I know someone who's got that kind of soil. All of us. There's times where my heart is, my heart is hard. There's times when my soil is rocky. There's times when there's all kinds of weed growing inside of me. Right? 
And so I'm all of them at times. What should I be? Should be the good soil. That should be the goal. And, and so really a daily question in our walk with the Lord should be, God, how's my soil today? See, a farmer will actually go into the field and test the soil. And they've, they've done science, scientific study, and they, and they use science to go and, and prep the soil and make sure that the soil is actually ready to receive the kind of crop that you want to grow. And they'll text, test the, the moisture content and the pH level, and right? They're going to test for all of these things to make sure that the soil is ready. We should be daily saying, God, how is the condition of my soil today? And today I might have good soil, but tomorrow there might be some things that happen in my life that mess up my soil, which means that I've got to rent a tiller, or not rent one, I've got to pick up the tiller, right, the word of God right here, and allow him to expose those things. Maybe that comes in the form of your spouse or a friend or your accountability partner going, hey, listen, notice you had this attitude the other day. And I wouldn't be a good friend if I just let it go, because that was not Christ-like. And as my friend Alan says, ouch, bro, right? And you're like, I want to hear that. So you delete them from Facebook and... No, if you're wise, you go, oh... You know, you're right. Or maybe, maybe you're not ready to say you're right. Maybe you're like, you know, I need to bring that before the Lord and allow him to shine some light and turn up some of the soil and remove some of the rocky places and pull some of the weeds. See, because all of us at times are every one of these soils. And we cannot thrive if our soil is messed up. We cannot thrive if our soil is messed up. Jesus touches on, defines each one of those, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just give a couple of sentences to each, and then we're actually going to wrap up this morning because next week we'll continue the conversation. There's a soil that fell on the path, that place that was tramped down and hard. This place where the enemy would steal your seed. See, because sometimes we come into church and the things going on in our lives have tramped down the soil of our heart. Scripture deals over and over again about having a hard heart, to soften our hearts, to not harden our hearts. In fact, when you read in the Old Testament and what, what God says to the Israelites, if, if you would not harden your heart, don't harden your heart, or in the past tense, but you hardened your heart, and it didn't go well for you. And so what happens is we come into church and we read the word and we listen to worship music and it's just like, it just bounces right off or lays on the surface or leave church and go, well, I didn't get a whole lot out of that today, right? I don't take it personally much. No, I'm just kidding. See, because... I like to preach the word of God, and so if you didn't get anything out of it, it's not me. you got to have a conversation with the Lord. The condition of that soil is not in a place to receive. That means when you walk out the door, the enemy is ready to go. Let me just snatch that from you. Let me just take that. 
the rocky soil. Some soil, but listen to this, no depth. You look good on the surface, but that's all it is, is surface. God wants to go deep with us. Remember what Paul said to the Ephesians, right? That you would be strengthened in your inner being. What does that mean? God wants to get the rocks out of you. He wants to till up the soil of your life and remove the rocks. Why? Because it's painful and he enjoys inflicting pain on you? No, because he knows that the seed will come and produce a harvest. The thorny ground says it's the seed that takes root. But then the cares and the worries of this world and, and wealth and the trappings of wealth and, and the things that we look around. And by the way, you might be thinking, well, I'm not wealthy. You are sitting in Glendora, California. You are wealthy. <laughs> right? I'm going to pick on you guys again. You said, hey, we've got $30, $30 in our bank account. And I've met people and talked to people around the world who dream about having $30 in their bank account. Right? And not that, that doesn't minimize. I know you guys understand that. The things of this world, the trappings of this world, the cares of this world come spring up right next to the word of God, the seed of, that God would deposit and starts choking these, those things out. And we lose sight. The disciples in the boat freaking out, looking at the waves going, Jesus, don't you love us? And what was his response? You have little faith. Not, oh, you're right. I'm so sorry I fell asleep. <laughs> you have little faith. That we would doubt. Again, Paul says, he's your daddy. He's your Abba. He's your Papa. Jesus is your Savior. And the Holy Spirit wants to strengthen you in your inner, inner being. So when the storms come, you can go, this is just a storm. It's nothing compared to who my father is. Thorns spring out and they start choking that life. God wants to release us from that fear. And then he talks about the good soil. It produces a crop. Listen to this. 160 and 30 times what was sown. That's what God has for you. I want to experience 160 30 times. In fact, I don't even want 30 and 60. I want 100. But it starts with me going, God, where's my faith? This series, we're going to talk about being rooted and established. We're going to talk about some practical ways to deal with our soil, to receive the seed, and start seeing God bring about strength in our lives. I'm excited to take this journey with you. Here's my action point for you today. Would you take time this week to read Ephesians? And would you read these parables that Jesus shares about the sower and the seed? They're found actually, and you can read them in three of the Gospels. Matthew 13, uh, Luke, uh, Luke chapter 4, uh, Matthew chapter 4 rather, and Luke chapter 8. Read the, the, the parable Read it in its entirety. I've had to skip over a few parts. And as you do, I love this statement. Don't read the words. Let the words feed you. 
Don't read the word. Let the word read you. And let God start shining a light in your life and exposing maybe some of the condition of the soil of your heart. So as we press into this series and into this year, that you would be ready to receive the full measure, the measure of all the fullness of God. Amen? Let's stand together. As the worship team comes, I don't want to let a Sunday go by without giving people the opportunity to say yes to Jesus. While I said that it's not just at salvation, it definitely is at the point of saying yes to Jesus, that the most important seed is planted and received. If you've not received Jesus, if you've not by the Holy Spirit asked Jesus to come and dwell in your heart, and this morning your heart is crying out. Maybe you feel a stirring in your heart and you, don't, you can't even identify it and put it into words. Let me tell you what that is. That's the Holy Spirit moving your heart, speaking to you, encouraging you and inviting you to receive salvation that comes through Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask that we would bow our heads and close our eyes. Just to give you a moment before your Lord and Savior, if that's you, if you've never said yes to the Lord before, if you've never received him as your Lord and Savior, would you simply do this? Would you raise your hand nice and high so I can see and agree with you today? Anyone here today who would say, yes, I need that seed. I need to receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior. Nice and high. I'm just going to see. Awesome. See two hands raised this morning. Three hands raised this morning. Could we give praise to the Lord right now? Why are, why are we praising God for you raising your hand? Here's why. Because you can't raise your hand unless God does a work in your life to do that. And the Bible says that when one person gives their life to the Lord, that there is a celebration in heaven. And I'm going to be honest, church, that was kind of a weak celebration. Can we give praise to the Lord this morning? Could we pray this prayer together? And for the three of you who raised your hands, would you pray this prayer with me and believe it in your, your heart? We will pray this all together. Dear Jesus, I receive you this morning as my Lord and Savior. Thank you for loving me and saving me. I repent for my sin and turn to follow you. In Jesus' name. For those that raised their hand, would you do me a favor after service? Would you meet me at the hub? I'd just love to touch base with you and, and pray with you. 